previously on the Beam Chronicles. Jackson, meanwhile, had crouched onto the ground and covered his ears. Uh, it's, it's not a bomb, JT, it's a GPS tracker. We got three incoming missiles on the north, southeast, southwest, gonna hit HQ in 30 seconds, I got north. And it was one of those moments that was just so awesome, we would brag and argue for ages over who had the most badass dispatching of their missile. My piecewise perfect girl had increasingly started to just beat Charlie. He was obviously crushing on me, hard. He wasn't the first, far from the last, but bar none the most inconvenient. I love Jackson and I love Charlie, but they should not get along at all. And they're like best friends. Like that fire, that intensity, positive or negative, they both feel so strongly about it. They were meant to be together and I'm just gumming it up. She looked like she was about to say something. Something that dawned on her that instant. Something burning and urgent. But I have shit Heidi to tell you. Lots of big important shit, what it's all about. That she ultimately decided to suppress. Anyway, good night. These are the Beam Chronicles with your host, MJ Dooney. Book one, initiation, chapter 25, Charlie Shade. Sydney, seriously, it's not that difficult. Just say the word exactly the way I'm saying it. Ready? Don't. Do not. Now see, you're still just saying do not quickly and smash together. There's only one vowel, the first one. Don't. Donut. Oh my god, that is a completely different word. That means something else. You can't be serious. I cannot be serious. Sydney, what the hell, man? You're a smart dude. You honestly don't hear the difference. I honestly do not hear the difference. Why does this matter anyway? Because people use contractions, buddy. Like basically every sentence, it's part of being a person. Is part of being a person. No, that time you just said is instead of it is. This seems to be the result of sheer laziness. Charlie, who determines which two words are permitted to be contracted into one word anyway? I don't know. Society and like uh, history and the evolution of language. Oh boy. Jackson finally joined us on the roof of HQ where he'd asked us to meet him about five minutes ago. Normally I was a stickler for punctuality, but I like JT enough to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it gave me a chance to work on Sydney's uh, linguistic issues. Uh, trying to teach him contractions again? It baffles the mind how challenging it is for him to grasp it. I am sitting right here. That is rude. <laughs> <laughs> Even Sid cracked a smile at his own expense. He was getting good at figuring out when he was acting bizarrely, even if he still kind of sucked at not acting bizarrely. So, uh, what's with the secret club roof meeting, JT? And what took you so long getting to it? He smiled, bashfully glancing at his feet, holding something behind his back. Well, uh, first of all, it's been one month since we stopped Fly and Foon, and a crazy month at that, what with all the publicity and... Well, I guess I don't have to tell you. I just thought that maybe it had been a while since we did something private and special. Just the three of us, you know? And and besides, Sydney's birthday was like two days ago. But we have already celebrated my birthday, Jackson. I do not enjoy being the center of attention. Don't. You don't enjoy it. I do not enjoy it. <sighs> uh, then forget the birthday. Just, just a good old-fashioned hangout amongst friends, exclusively the three of us. No Maria or Phil or Murphy, Ava only, just for today. Next time we can bring the whole crew, but I don't know. I, I wanted to do a night alone, the three of us. What do you think? You guys up for it? 
Hey, Jackson, if we do this tonight, will you fucking stop asking us to go on a fishing trip with you? Yes, thank you. What the hell? I am sorry, my friend, but you keep mentioning it, and it sounds dreadful. You guys have never been fishing. The salmon are running this year. I don't even care what that means. Fish do not taste good, Jackson. It, it's not about eating them. Then what is the point? Sid, hold on. Great opportunity to cuss. Oh, is it? He grinned at me broadly. Okay, uh, which one? Basically any of them. What the blank is the point. You fill in the blank. Ah, yes, okay. Thank you, Charlie. What the asshole is the point? Oh my God. The, the thrill of the sport, uh, the haunts going toe-to-toe -to -toe with nature and emerging victorious. Yeah, sounds riveting. I rolled my eyes. Outfoxing the dumbest animal. When you both go fishing with me. I will never go fishing with you. When you do, you'll see that it's fun. Hey, by the way, JT, what do you got behind your back there? I could six him hovering a little surprise behind him, and while with a little bit of effort I could easily spoil it, I figured I'd give him this one after ripping apart his awful hobby. Oh, right, sorry. It's beer. He swung the six-pack around his body and held it out in front of him. I must have been making a face that revealed my true feelings because he instantly jumped into defensive mode. Charlie, come on. One beer's not going to kill you. No, but it's gross, and I don't want to. Give me one good reason to do it. For me? Do it for me? Good enough reason? I scrunched up my mouth and he pressed. Just one. You don't even have to finish it. Just hold it, I guess. Just to participate, please. <sighs> With an exasperated exhale, I reluctantly snatched the bottle he was extending to me and pried it open over the ledge of the rooftop. Leaning against that ledge, I took an exaggerated sip to demonstrate I was playing along. Gross. I hated beer, but obviously it made Jackson happy for some reason, so I guess worth it. I guess. Sydney? I am only 18. So what? I'm 19. Actually, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. No offense, JT, you don't seem cool enough to be into underage drinking. He shrugged. Huh, it's legal in Canada. Sid, take one, come on. Peer pressure. Y you weigh a thousand pounds, dude. One beer won't even hurt you. Come to think of it. I am actually uncertain whether or not I am capable of attaining a state of inebriation. I may possess the capacity to metabolize ethanol completely, preventing it from entering my bloodstream and intoxicating my cognitive function. So, yes then? Yes then. JT tossed him a beer and the two of them walked over to the ledge to join me on either side. We turned around and looked out over the world. The world that hated us for what we were, but loved us for what we did. And I was never one for nostalgic reminiscing, but hey, whatever. The moment felt right. Hey JT, remember on the first mission when you put that tracker on Skelton's foot and you thought it was a bomb, so you were like ducking and covering your head and bracing for impact? <laughs> he chuckled and shook his head, but Sydney was intently glaring at him as if waiting for him to say something specific. Jackson, there is a follow-up to that story. Uh, nope, I, I, I do not recall. Yes, yes there is. Because a few months later, Charlie, while you were searching for the fly and Jackson and I were performing missions without you, we had a Bader case in which Murphy deployed a bomb onto the unevaluated anomaly. And while we all ran for cover, Jackson stood idly by and continued fighting. I had to tackle him to the ground to protect him from the explosion. He later explained that he thought it was just a GPS tracking device similar to the one he had planted on Skelton long ago. So, so you thought a tracer was a bomb, and then you thought a bomb was a tracer. Hey, give me a break, all right? You've both done dumb things, too. Oh. Sydney excitedly jumped on board the self-deprecating memories train. Oh, 
Do, do you remember, on my first mission, when I had never before been in a truck, and I stood up while it was taking off and I tumbled out of the back of it into a crowded suburban street? Oh my god, yes! And then I grouped off and pretended like I was catching you for a beam bus. We put on like a super elaborate but totally unconvincing show pretending to fight trying not to laugh. I think I even shot you, right? Also that the civilians who caught a look at you wouldn't report it to scouting. Except for they did anyway. Like a thousand reports of it came in and it got all the way to evaluations before anyone realized it was just Sid falling off the truck that everyone was so worked up about. Ha, yes. Caraway jokingly followed through on the evaluation. She even assigned an agent to my case. That, that is how I met Elogo. We all simultaneously took a sip of beer as the reminiscent merriment died down. Why do people drink this? This tastes like urine. You're telling me, Sid. Hey, this is good beer. No culture, honestly, between the two of you. Hey, remember when we met Jackson's mom? Oh, good lord. He palmed his face while I cackled fondly. She thought I was Maria. She answered the door and she saw me with my hair and my gun. Could not believe her son was pulling down this absolute baddie, almost fainted on the spot. When I came to the doorway, she did faint on the spot. <laughs> leave her alone. Y you two are a lot to take in first impressions like that. It's my fault. I should have prepared her better, steeled her up for it. Besides, by the end of the day, once the shock wore off, she was really fond of you guys. She still gushes about how polite Sydney is every time I call her. Well, that is because I am polite. Hey, what's she say about me when you call her? He dodged the question super shiftily, distracting with yet another fond recollection. Hey, remember Missile Defense Triangle? Ooh, Missile Defense Triangle. Sid and I said it longingly in unison. It took place right on this very roof, and each of us spun around to face our respective corner. Mine was the best. Fuck off, Sid, you barely even moved. That is what made it superior. The elegance and simplicity and finesse, it was beautiful because it was effortless and not ostentatious. I could not say the same for either of you. Hey, I, I didn't even move at all. I just stopped it with my damn mind and flung it into space. That's cooler and more elegant than either of you and your mere terrestrial efforts. Yeah, JT, your yours doesn't even count. What? W why not? Because your missile still went off. You didn't technically stop the explosion at all. I think that's grounds for disqualification. Now, honestly, considering my overgrouped handicap at the time, it was impressive enough that I was able to do anything, much less something ten times more awesome than either of you clowns. There, there is no handicap in this contest, Charlie. Sydney denied my appeal, then suspiciously <laughs> hiccuped. I, I too had just thwarted big, big robots, twice as many as you had. This competition occurs regardless of prior events to be judged within a vacuum. I am the one who... Uh, oh. He faded out, grumbling something indiscernible. JT and I glanced at each other in amazed disbelief. Is... Is he? No way. Not already, he weighs half a ton. It was one beer. Yeah, but I mean, he's obviously never drank before, no tolerance. I think he's wasted. What What happened to his metabolism taking apart alcohol? I guess it could be the opposite. Sydney slurred, blinking slowly. Perhaps I metabolism alcohol so slowly compared to all of the other things. Kvorsky was always one for maintaining my ability to partake in social interaction. And what is more popular than a little social drunkenness? 
especially to the Polish. Ha 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 ha. JT looked at me mouth agape, and I giggled to myself. One beer. Hey, tell Prahu we found another way to contain him. The man handles his liquor like a freshman. Oh, actually, that reminds me. Speaking of containing you, Sid, I've been meaning to ask you, but with all the hullabaloo with Foon and whatnot afterwards, how did you survive? What do you mean, Charlie? He rolled his forehead back and forth along the ledge. Good lord, maybe it was the worst time ever to ask him, but I did it anyway. When Foon was blasting you guys and I grouped Jackson out of it, you held up that truck against him all by yourself. How? Like I, I know you're a strong guy, but he was toe to toe against both of you combined, and you basically ran out of air, right? Yes, I did. I can tell when my enhanced musculature stops working, and it did. So how the hell did you not get washed down the street? He grinned and leaned around me to wink and point at Jackson. My friend over there, this guy, he knows. Uh, uh, I, I do. Jackson looked perplexed. Oh, I see. Our little secret, then. I understand. Sid, I don't have the faintest idea what the heck you're talking about. You helped me, Jackson. After I could stand it no more, I stepped away from the truck, prepared to face my doom, and when I did it, it remained suspended before me. You were holding it up, remember? Sid, I uh, really, no, I was not doing that. I was in the warehouse with Fly the whole time, pretty well distracted, and besides that, I, I don't think I could even do that without being there next to it, especially something requiring that much effort and force. However the truck stayed up, it wasn't me, Sid. Oh, yes it was. Yes, it sure was. And kaboom, just like that, Big Purple gracefully blacked out for the night. Weird. I guess I should ask him again tomorrow. Guess so. I wonder what it was, though. I shrugged. Eh, maybe we'll never really find out. It's not like he'll know better when he's sober. It's not that big of a deal anyway. He adamantly disagreed with me, I could tell, but didn't intend to start an argument about it. We'd soon enough be arguing and forgiving each other over some other equally irrelevant subject anyway. That was our nature. Why taint this peaceful, simple, happy moment, a short forever remove from the madness? With Sydney out cold, I decided to ask him another, more private, reminiscing question. In my stupid, ignorant, 20-year-old brain, I had myself all fooled into thinking I was just asking him to be shitty and embarrass him. But there were deeper ulterior motives at play that I'd yet to come to terms with, even though I was probably closer to doing so than you'd think. <laughs> hey, Jackson, uh, remember when he had a big crush on me? Damn it, yes. Will you ever let me forget it? Nope. Huh. It was too creepy. Uh, creepy, eh? That's hard to believe you're the same guy now you were back then. Yeah, that's probably because I'm not. Uh, hey, who was more creepy, Mirafone? I mean, in hindsight, you really weren't that bad, but at the time, probably you. Seriously? Well, only because when Foon hit on me, I could punch him in the face or shoot him or whatever. I had to be nice to you all the while you were staring at my ass. He looked a little distraught, hesitant and disappointed, paralyzed. I felt bad, so I kept going. Plus, you're all skinny back then. Probably would have gone better for you if you were studly, like you are now. Anyway, like I said, retrospectively, I was overreacting. Knowing you like I do, it was no big deal. 
Well, um, in my dumb, scrawny, and creepy past self's defense, you're entirely too pretty for your personality, Charlie. It's really not even fair. See, that's what I mean. Back in the day, I would have punched you for saying that. Now I take it for the insult you intended it to be. We just had to get to know each other, overcome those growing pains. I'm really glad we did. I don't know where the hell I'd be were it not for you, Shade. Uh, pro probably dead. Definitely dead. Super dead. Like, at least a hundred times now. Yeah, or worse. But hey, thanks for getting me here. One day I'll get you back. Oh, God. Can't wait for that overcompensation. No, I'm serious. You and Sydney have killed enough people for me already. One day, I'm gonna get us out of this. All of us, all of it. I'm gonna find a way to divorce our family from Beam. <sighs> Fat chance. You don't have to believe me. You'll see eventually. One day, I'm gonna fix this whole thing up and give us our perfect lives together. Well, shit. In spite of my undying skepticism, I eagerly await that day. We clanked our bottles together and stared out into the sunset. I still hated the taste, hated the idea of drinking calories. I was already planning extra cardio tomorrow just to compensate, but we were to the point where I would do literally anything Jackson asked me to do for him, and he for me. There were no limits to this devotion. It would ultimately stand up to the most rigorous of testing, but for now, that was just beer. I leaned against him as the sun began to disappear, and the second my head touched his arm, he started doing this thing, this weird telekinetic thing, where he was just covering me in it, enveloping me in this comforting warm pulse. I didn't understand it, he'd never done it to me before, and looking up at him, he clearly had no idea he was doing it, but I didn't call attention to it, because I was scared if I did he would stop, and I profoundly wanted him to keep going. It felt perfect. I closed my eyes, missing the gorgeous purple of the sunset, not really giving a fuck. I'd seen a thousand sunsets, but this was very new. So, uh, what's next? He asked when the sun had settled below the horizon. I lifted my head, suddenly embarrassed, stepped away from him. The strange sensation faded the further away from him I got, so then I, like, stepped toward him to try to get it back on, which didn't work, and ended up just making me look really weird for backing up, then moving forward, and... I pretended it didn't happen. Uh, suppressed the whole event, clearing my throat. <clears throat> well, uh, somebody's gotta get Big Purple to bed, and I'm pretty sure you're the only guy in the building who can lift him. Huh. Right. He hoisted Sydney off the ground. No hands or telegraphing of any sort. Good training. I was kind of talking broader strokes, long-term, uh, introspectively or whatever. Ah, uh, well, I guess I don't know the specific answer to that, JT. A lot of profit bullshit, maybe sprinkled within it some good times too. Hopefully a few more nights like this, just trying to be normal, but I'll tell you what, whatever it is, I promise we'll take it on together. Yeah. That sounds amazing, Charlie. It was a promise that seemed so blatantly obvious, yet would wind up being more challenging to keep than I could have ever anticipated. But again, you can't blame me for being wrong. I was just a kid. That's what I keep telling myself now. We were all just a bunch of kids.
Up and at him, soldier. War's not done. Ugh. Damn it all. Yeah, you kinda did. Damn it all. I mean, not the cleanest little caper you've pulled off, but... Now where are you going so quickly? To Victor. It needs repair again, unless you'd like to ask him. <laughs> I would, if only I cared a single bit. Naturally. Quite the tangled web you've woven, old friend. We are not friends. A bit of a strange idiom, if you ask me. You do so love deconstructing a metaphor. Webs are often quite organized and structured is all, at least as the spider weaves it, takes an outside force to get them tangled. A careless child running through them, a smaller insect about to fall prey. Makes me wonder, uh, which are you? More importantly, if I'm doing the tangling, who is in fact the spider? <laughs> you see, it's fun. Are you following me for a specific reason? Not a new reason, if that's what you're asking. It's not. The question was rhetorical. Uh, then permit me the good grace not to answer it and move on to my next idiom. I prefer silence. Have you ever heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water? Is this your mysterious way of revealing we are related? Because I've had an exhausting day. I'm in no mood to decrypt your inane. <laughs> no, no. Nothing like that. You, you know what it means. The family you were born into is of more value than the friendships you forge. Uh, that's what it means now, yeah. Kind of weird though, right? I mean, blood part I get, why is water friendship here? I'm certain you're about to regale me with an explanation. It used to mean the exact opposite of what it means now. It used to be, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So the people you go to war with, the bonds you forge, those are the superlative ones. Water was the family you inherited, blood was the family you chose. They switched it crazy, right? Ah, uh, I believe I understand why you're telling me this now. Tangling your web a bit tight, aren't we, Howard? <clears throat> Making some truly thick blood. It's my own covenant. For now. And in any case, why now? What does this advice have to do with what just happened? Nothing. For now. Yes. Well, at that, these days I fear there's not much I can do but secure victory in the now. <laughs> oh, Howard, you know that's patently false. It's really the whole point of it all, isn't it? The blood of our covenant. You're no friend of mine. Well, that pains me more than you realize. Stay vigilant. I'm off, Tatano. Of course you are. Vic, it broke again. You were right, not my best idea, but... I seem to be replete with poor ideas these days. Thank you for listening to this episode, but also this season slash book of The Beam Chronicles, a fiction podcast written and produced by me, MJ Dooney. Wow. What an endeavor this was to tackle, and all by myself. I could talk for quite a bit about how proud I am of myself for finally putting this out into the world and how much fun I had making it, but instead, let me just say I hope sincerely that you've enjoyed the story so far. Uh, you could give me a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple to demonstrate that, but I think if you haven't by now, I'm probably not going to convince you. Okay, uh, this is going to be the longest outro I've recorded, so here's what I'll say about the next phases for this little passion project of mine. I am taking a break for a couple of reasons, honestly, which I'll lay out for you real quickly before telling you my plan and timeline. I will say it's not a break to write more. I actually have the next five books written already, and each of them is a bit longer than this one, so... 
even if I just pressed onward one chapter per week, I'd have material for the next like three years. So I guess if something astounding happens, like a bolt of lightning, a virality of some sorts, I don't know, if Taylor Swift suddenly decides she's into middle-aged math teacher's superhero fiction podcast and I'm inundated with ravenous pleas for progress, I could potentially cut my hiatus a bit short. But let's just operate under the safe assumption that my modest and greatly appreciated fan base of 65-ish listeners doesn't balloon exponentially for any reasons. Regardless, uh, narratively speaking, it does kind of make sense for the break between books since most of the main plot lines in book one got resolved already and there's, there's a bit of a time skip between them. Additionally, I tend to get a bit busy in the late winter slash early spring season. I'm an AP calculus teacher in Detroit, go Lions. Uh, and with the AP test in May, I really lock in on getting the kids ready in the next few months, which means if, if you're looking for an estimation for when to expect book two, I'd say early May is my best guess right now. Additionally, I, I would like to dedicate myself a bit more thoroughly to peripheral stuff related to this show, but not directly to like recording and editing episodes. Social media is the really big one, uh, which is a good chance to plug Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, send me a message anywhere if you want to be a part of that, especially if you're an artist. Or an email, beamchronicles at gmail.com. But also, uh, some other stuff I've been mulling over. Uh, potentially publishing the manuscript itself in like book form, the way I originally in intended to put it out there. I also wanted to explore the concept of getting some other people involved with this, like uh, proper voice acting maybe, but I don't know if I can actually do any of that because my budget is zero dollars and um, I don't know if anyone would agree to those terms. Uh, but anyway, sorry, very long-winded way of saying, this is me signing off for the next few months. So stay tuned for news and updates on social media. All music and sound effects were sourced through the Epidemic Sound Library. Special thanks to Sergio Duarte for creating the cover art for this podcast. I love you all in a weird way. Uh, my silent children of the abyss I've been screaming into for the last four months. Please reach out if you've enjoyed the show. I'd love to hear it. And thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you in May for book two, Compromise. <laughs>